You're listening to the Sojourn Montrose podcast. For more sermons and content, visit sojournmontrose.org. So as I was saying, we're in this book, right, walking through the book of Matthew, a book that was written by uh, one of the 12 apostles of Jesus, right? And, and this, in this book, Matthew specifically wrote it with the Jewish mind um, as his main uh, audience. And so he wrote it to the Jewish uh, person, uh, writing to argue that Christ was and is the Messiah of the Jewish people that has, had come to bring the kingdom to earth. And so today, as we navigate through this action-packed passage, and we'll take a closer look at some of these powerful, purposeful healing miracles that Jesus performed, and we'll talk about the purpose behind them. So th- this past fall, um, in our neighborhood in East End, there is a home tour. Uh, and so my wife and I uh, were docents for this home tour. If you don't know what that is, that's essentially we uh, volunteered uh, to be uh, on site at one of the historic homes that was being uh, toured um, and show people around. And, right, and so we were, we, were, uh, we were chosen to be on the second floor of this beautiful fire station, uh, one of the historic fire stations uh, in Houston that was remodeled and restored into a home. And so we were given a list of, of, uh, of facts about this, this home, uh, and we were, we were called to uh, share these facts with people as they asked questions as they toured the home. And so people started coming in, and we would, uh, we would answer their questions uh, if we knew the answer, right, if they were on the sheet. But oftentimes they would ask very detailed questions about the wood that was used to build this uh, bookshelf. And I'm like, I have no idea about that. The good thing was that the owners of the home were also on the second floor. Uh, and so from time to time, when they would overhear these detailed questions, they would interject and really just kind of save us, right? Uh, and come in and answer these detailed questions with authority. They would proceed to take these people around other parts of the home, very excited because they were the ones that saw this raggedy, old, abandoned fire station, and they're the ones that put forth the effort, the money, the labor to see it become the beautiful house that it is today. And they, they entered into our conversations and spoke with authority. All right, and in today's text, we're going to see that it is in a house full of people, it is the owner that holds unquestionable authority. We'll explore what the owner of the kingdom, Jesus, chose to do with that authority over sickness and disease as we walk through this text. And to give you some context of what we're about to jump into quickly, um, back in chapter 4, verse 23, uh, Matthew not only summarizes chapter 4, but he also sets the stage for chapters 5 through 7. And he does this by uh, summarizing what would come in the following chapters. I'll read chapter 4, 23 for you. It says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So take a mental note of that. And then in chapter 9, verse 35, Matthew forms what uh, is called an inclusio. Essentially, this is a bracket. So the same verse, uh, chapter 4, 23, uh, almost the exact same words, he says the same thing uh, in 9, 23. It says that he was teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. 
And he's doing this to show the reader, hey, from chapter 423 up to 935, this is what Jesus was doing. Let me tell you about it. And so beginning in chapter 4, verse 23, on to chapter 9, verse 35, we see that Jesus first went teaching and proclaiming the gospel, and then he went healing diseases and afflictions. And while last week we addressed in, our, in the text last week uh, that Marshall preached that Jesus was showing himself to be Messiah through his teaching and preaching, this week our text addresses Jesus showing himself to be Messiah through the demonstration of miraculous healings of diseases and afflictions. And I want to bring to, uh, to your attention the last two verses of chapter 7, where it says, When Jesus finished these sayings, when he, when he finished teaching and proclaiming, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So while we see Jesus in chapters 5 through 7 teaching with authority, not even uh, uh, the authority that not even the scribes possessed, right after this, his authoritative teaching turns into authoritative demonstration. And that brings us to chapter 8, verses 1 through 17 uh, this morning. And, and as we walk through these verses, brothers and sisters, my hope is that the truth that Jesus was relaying through these healings grips our hearts. And that truth is that to establish the kingdom of God, Jesus could have used his authority to spark revival among religious elites, that being Jewish men. But instead, he chose to draw near to and heal the outcast, the unwanted, and the marginalized. And this shows us that the kingdom of God is bottom up, not top down. The power of God is displayed bottom up, not top down. And to expound on this, we'll, we'll walk through uh, pretty quickly, these, first, these uh, three stories of healings, um, and then I'll get into the deeper implications after we go through them. Let's start with the leper, the healing of the leper, verses 1 through 4. I'll read them for you again. It says, When he came down from the mountain, a great crowd followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. So let's talk about how a leper was perceived in that time period. And when you look at uh, what a leper is, and you look through the laws in Leviticus about a leper, um, they were considered physically, bodily unclean and unfit for worship. Not only that, but they had to remain outside of the camp. And anytime anyone got even remotely close to them, they had to scream out, they had to cry out, unclean, 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 to give warning to those near to them. But imagine what it did to the leopard's heart, to the leper's heart, to constantly be reminded that he was unclean to constantly be reminded that he was alienated relationally and socially, and even geographically, he was outside of the gates. He was the furthest away from temple worship. 
He lived outside of these gates. And, uh, and, and I imagine that after so long, a leper continually repeating, excuse me, continually repeating that he was unclean, uh, began to believe that about himself spiritually in his relationship with God. He thought it was hopeless for him to ever have a, a, an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. And yet we see here, after Jesus finished his authoritative teaching, and Matthew includes the response of the people, where they look at him and they're amazed and in awe because he spoke and taught with such authority. Matthew takes us to chapter 8 where he writes about Jesus' healings as he declares and demonstrates to the Jewish people that the kingdom of God had come. And the first healing that he starts is reaching the one that was furthest out in the eyes of the people of Israel, which is a leper. So he begins by reaching the outcast. He, he heals someone who was considered physically or bodily unclean. And what does this uh, leprosy symbolize for us? It symbolizes the disease of sin. Much like a leper couldn't change his condition outside of a miracle happening outside of himself, uh, the disease of sin uh, that has ravaged mankind um, is something that we cannot change on our own unless a miracle happens, a supernatural work of God coming in through the Spirit and changing our condition. Let's, let's move on to the healing of the centurion. I'll read it for you. It says, When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the centurion, and to the centurion Jesus said, Go. Let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. So how was the Gentile perceived? The centurion was a Gentile, so he was not Jewish. Right? And the centurion's servant, uh, we can imply that he was also Jewish. And so while uh, Jesus first began by healing a leper, now, now he approaches a Gentile. Um, and, and, and you see here, we'll see a thread of true, sincere, deep faith in the Lordship of Christ from people who were not the religious elite, who were not Jewish men. We saw it from the leper. Now we see it from a Gentile. We see it from a man who was not Jewish. And he tells the Lord, he says, no, just say the word and you'll heal him because I'm a man of authority too. And I know the moment I say a word, my servants have to do it. He was telling Jesus essentially disease and affliction Anything in this world that is of sin and is broken, the moment you say it, it has to flee. He was ascribing to Christ the lordship over all creation. 
So Jesus says, man, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Almost as a, as a polemic or an argument against the faith of the Jewish people or the lack thereof, right? So what is the significance, right, of, of this, uh, these words that Jesus says about the sons of the kingdom? He's, it's, it's an irony, right? It, to say, hey, the sons of the kingdom or those who lack faith in the, in, uh, in, that are, consider themselves part of the kingdom, that being the Jewish people, outside of them placing their faith in him, will be, will be cast out. Will be cast out into outer darkness, while those from the east to west, those outside of Israel, would be included. And so he's speaking a word of hope to this Gentile centurion, letting him know that those who think that they're in, by their own merit, by their own works, are actually excluded. But those who cling to him, those who come needy and desperate and acknowledging this lordship and the authority of Christ will, the one, will be the ones to be welcomed. This is, this is while uh, healing the leper is healing someone bodily unclean, here Jesus is healing someone who is considered to Israel as someone being ethnically unclean. And why was this why was this uh, extraordinary? Because here we see Christ crossing ethnic boundaries. We see Christ stepping into the life of someone who was not deemed part of the covenant people of God and someone who was unwanted by the Jewish people. So here we have him crossing cultures, crossing ethnicities, and healing someone who was unwanted. And if we jump over to, uh, jump after that to the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, I'll read the verses for us. It says, And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. So we had the leper, the Gentile, and now a woman. How was a woman perceived in that time period? Well, a woman was perceived as a second-class citizen. Those who, who, who know ancient cultures in ancient history, uh, even to this day in some parts of the Middle East, women are looked at as inferior. And honestly, even some parts here in our own nation are still looked at as that way. But back then, it was, uh, it was way more radical. They, they were not looked at as people who could worship in the inner court as well. So while the leper was outside of the gate, the Gentile was allowed, when it comes to temple worship, was allowed to be just outside of the outer courts. And now the women were allowed to be in the outer courts. But only Jewish men, only religious elite, could go into the inner court for worship. So notice how that, that common thread, Jesus, as he's de- declaring and demonstrating that the kingdom of God has come, he's choosing to reach those that are furthest away from inner court worship. And here he approaches a woman, Peter's mother-in-law. And to walk into a home during that time period, as a, as a Jewish man, and walk in and have your attention go first to the woman in the room was unheard of. It was disrespectful to the man of the house. And for Christ, he, for him to come in to Peter's house and, and to have his attention drawn to his mother-in-law and go to her and reach his hand and touch her and heal her, he was restoring or giving dignity to women there. We see after that that Peter's mother-in-law begins 
to serve Jesus. It says that um, when the fever left her, she rose and began to serve him. Once again, someone who is outcast, marginalized, second-class citizen is displaying true faith. Leper, Gentile, and now a woman. And this healing was, was for someone considered to be unclean by gender. And so what is, what is Jesus trying to get at here? Well, there was a twofold purpose to his healings. Uh, primarily that he was, he was after his authoritative teaching. He jumps into authoritative demonstration to show that the kingdom of God had come and he begins to perform miracles. But why did he choose to heal those outcasts, marginalized, instead of going straight to the religious elite, those who had the most influence, but instead he went to those who had the least influence, the least amount of influence, those who were voiceless, those who were unwanted and outcasts. In our society today, it, it makes sense in the corporate world, right, if you want to change the culture of your company, right, to, to, to hire a new CEO, someone from the top. You would never seek to change your culture through hiring a janitor, right? In the corporate world, it doesn't make sense. But in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is an illogical, upside-down kingdom. And Christ, when he came in to display that the kingdom of God had come, he was trying to instruct his people, hey, look, look at how I am bringing in the kingdom. I'm doing it by reaching to those who are furthest away or those you think are furthest away from me, including those who have been excluded. And time and time again, in these three stories, we see that these who were excluded and outcast are, re are responding to Christ with true faith. So how do we, how do we bring it down to uh, today, 2017, Montrose, Houston, right? Maybe, maybe some of you here, um, it's, it's practically unheard of, right, for anyone to have leprosy, but as I stated earlier... Um, it doesn't mean that many of us here haven't felt like we're outcast, like we have uh, been excluded. Uh, maybe that's one of you here today, maybe a few of you, maybe a lot of you that have felt outcast. Maybe, maybe because of what you've done, maybe you're here today and you say, oh yeah, this sounds great, but if you only knew what I've done, I just can't get over that abortion I had. I can't get over the kind of life I used to live and that shame is continually in front of you. And maybe, maybe even some well-meaning Christians in the past have hurt you. But Christ here is showing you, no, that the true heart behind him doing this was to show those who have constantly felt outcast and unwanted. He's showing them, you can be welcomed. And I, welcome, and I, I stretch out my hand and I heal and I welcome those who have been rejected. Or maybe like the Gentile, you feel you don't belong or you're unwanted, whether it be through your upbringing or currently um, in your social settings, you just feel like you're unwanted and outcast. Or maybe like a woman uh, in ancient times and still in some places today, feeling marginalized or feeling like a second-class citizen. The good news of Jesus for you is that in him you not only are welcome, but you're given a seat at his table and you become co-heir 
with Christ. He draws near to you. He meets you where you are to draw you into His family. And if you've never felt this way, maybe you've never felt outcast, unwanted. Maybe you've always been as far back as you can remember your upbringing. You've, you've always felt included. Maybe you've grown up with privilege. Maybe you've grown up always, always being part of the, the, the cool crowd in school and then the in crowd, and um, you've never really felt excluded. Well, maybe in Jesus' day, maybe you'd be among the religious elite. And how does this passage then call uh, you to, to reach out and how, how to respond towards the outcast, the unwanted and the marginalized? It calls, you to, it calls the religious elite, it calls the elite, the elite in any sense to be ferocious about reaching those who feel forgotten. Jesus was bringing in all those who didn't belong in inner court worship. First the one on the outside of the gates, the leper, then those who were permitted just outside the outer court, the Gentiles, and then those allowed only as far as the outer court, the women. And Matthew is showing us something here and demonstrating with authority that the kingdom of God has come by healing the outcast, by welcoming the outcast. And he gives this foretaste of the kingdom in this way. And in this, we find how we ought to go about demonstrating the kingdom to our city, to our neighborhood today. So who are the outcasts among us today? We don't have lepers, as I said, in our communities. So who are those? The unwanted, marginalized of our society. Well, the, the poor, right? Especially in a city like Houston, um, how we're kind of, economically segregated. The poor, the elderly, those who can't fend for themselves are, are forgotten in retirement homes often. Immigrants, refugees, um, minorities, especially in our current cultural climate today, our political climate. How should, we, how, how should we respond in light of this? As the church, of all places in the church is where these people should experience the most welcoming environment, the most empathetic environment. It is here that those, brothers and sisters, who the world has beaten up, the, our current broken social and, and, and cultural climate, when they step into the presence of the people of God, the marginalized, the outcast, the second-class citizen, or at least that they feel like a second-class citizen, should feel, of all places in the church, most welcome. And they shouldn't have to experience the same thing that they do in our culture, also in the church. But we know that we're sinful, and we know that we're prideful, and this sounds great, and it sounds easier said than done, right? Because in the thick of it, maybe even in your own uh, neighborhood parishes, there's some people that are radically different from you. And if we don't intentionally seek those who are radically different from us. We will drift towards those who are just like us. Our sin, when we fell in the garden, it, 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 it alienated us from God, but it also alienated us from one another. And so because of the fall, because of this 
disease, the spiritual disease of sin, we have now shattered relationships with one another that the gospel can reconcile. But we will naturally drift towards those that are just like us. But where we fail, Jesus succeeded perfectly. Let me, let me read for us the last two verses, 16 and 17. It says, That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, that he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So Matthew summarizes there again what Jesus continued to do. He continued to go out and heal, cast out demons. And Matthew quotes Isaiah 53, and it says, This was to fulfill what the prophet had spoken, that he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And to those of you who know Isaiah 53, that's one of the most evident passages in the Old Testament where it talks about our suffering servant. I even heard recently an interview uh, by a ministry in Jerusalem where apparently a lot of their Torahs, they had removed Isaiah 53 because it was so evidently pointing to Christ. And so this passage, Matthew connects Jesus' healing of the outcast with the promise found in Isaiah. What does that promise say? Let me, let me, let me, let me expound on this. He took our illnesses, and bore our diseases. Who was Isaiah speaking to? Isaiah was speaking to the covenant people of God. But yet, we see that the healings that Jesus performed were to a leper, to a Gentile, and to a woman. Although she was Jewish, she was considered a second-class citizen. So Matthew is bringing this together, what Jesus was doing, and between the lines is, is, share, is showing us that when he came to display that the kingdom had come, he was fulfilling Isaiah 53, and he was including those who were excluded by the Pharisees and the scribes at that time into this word, our. He included the leper in that word, our. He included the Gentile in that word, our, and women who were who were seen as inferior as well. But even beyond that, brothers and sisters, Hebrews 13, you can turn there if you want. Hebrews 13, 11 through 12, but I'll read it for you. Let me read it. It says, For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So brothers and sisters, Christ became the leper. He was crucified outside of the gates. Spiritually, Paul reminds us in Corinthians that he who knew no sin became sin so that we through him might become the righteousness of God. He was the sin offering for our souls and he was crucified as the sacrifice for sin outside of the city gates. 
So he not only extended his hand to the leper, but he said, when, he, when I am crucified, when I die, I will do this outside of the gates to show that my kingdom is for those who feel the furthest away from it. And in the gospel, brothers, and in, um, in Scripture, we see that we all, we all can relate to the leper in a spiritual sense. As I said earlier, this disease of sin that has ravaged all of mankind at the fall and up to this point has alienated us from God. And so apart from Christ, we would constantly hear in our mind, in this life and after this life, unclean, unclean, unclean. But in Christ, who took our place and became the leper for us, extends his hand and says, I will be clean through faith in him. And if Jesus became a leper on the cross for us, the one furthest away, then we should be ferocious in our pursuit of the outcast, of the unwanted and marginalized. We of all people should be the most empathetic. To establish the kingdom of God, Jesus could have used his authority to spark revival among religious elite and get their approval. But instead, he chose to use this authority, wield it, to heal and welcome in those who were excluded by the religious elite. So we, as Christ's body, may we here in Houston, may we, you guys here in Montrose, emulate Jesus' heart in mission. And we do that as we seek to not only proclaim with the authority Christ has given us, but also demonstrate the kingdom of God in our city. Let's pray. Father, through your spirit and by the power and redemption we have in your son, we pray that you would give us the ability, Lord, to constantly remind ourselves that we who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That we have this treasure in earthen vessels that we now, by faith in Christ, have the spirit dwelling in us and are always before the face of God. And let that truth inspire and motivate and fuel us, God, for mission to reach those that are least, that are among the least of these in our neighborhoods in our city. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.